you hear me okay? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep, certainly can. Awesome. Hey, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Thanks for making the time to do this with me today. Of course, yeah. I always like to do, uh, you know, support fellow podcasters and, you know, all that kind of stuff. This is so sick, dude. I've actually been wanting to talk to you. I think I hit you up like um, a year ago before I even started doing this. You were like one of the first people that I wanted to talk to. I actually oh. found you through your podcast. So, oh. you know, so I'm a fan, been a fan for a little while now. I, uh, well, that's awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah, dude. I, I think I was looking for like a black metal podcast on um, Spotify. So I just looked up like a black metal something and everything went black, um, popped up. And I was like, oh, this this looks cool. Let me check it out. So I checked it out and I was uh, pleasantly surprised by by your content. I like how eclectic it is. You kind of do a little bit of everything. And I don't know, I just kind of thought it would be really interesting to get to know you as a person. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I I love black metal, but the podcast covers a lot of different bases. And, you know, we talk about all sorts of stuff and got a lot of different types of guests on there. And I, fi I figured that there'd be a lot of, um, other shows out there that can devote themselves specifically to black metal. So, uh, so, you know, I keep it general, you know, it keeps everything interesting and, you know, you run out of things to talk about eventually if you just stick to one subject, you know, would you consider it more of like a personal project for you? Well, I mean, I think, uh, as it stands, I got about 209 episodes right now. So, um, it's kind of run the gamut of a lot of different things. Like some of it's, you know, it gets kind of autobiographical. Some of it gets uh, focused on the guests, you know, and it has almost more of a, I would say, like journalistic yeah. standpoint you know, when, I'm, when I'm interviewing people. And then uh, lately, I've been just doing, uh, I've been doing a lot of shows with uh, Randy Larson and Ralph Schmidt, two really close friends of mine. And, you know, Randy, Randy is, uh, was in the band Cable and um, he's playing in Grief now, which is the, you know, an old, you know, sludge band. And uh, Ralph is in a German band called Ultha, black metal band. And uh, but we don't talk about black metal. We talk about movies and <laughs> I know. Records. Yeah, yeah cool. I know that's kind of that's kind of what I do here, too. It's like um, people kind of always expect it to be like just about the music. But I I don't know. I'm just a curious cat, I guess. And I like to get to know the musicians like as individuals and not just like, oh, this guy that I idolize on stage. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean. I get enough grimness in like writing songs, you know, so it's like, you know, the material that we do in the band and tombs is just pretty dark and, you know, I get to write about all sorts of dark topics and, you know, cosmic angst and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's cool to do something different creatively that is a little bit more, I guess, in some ways, a little bit more lighthearted, even though even though we go and be getting some heavy topics, like especially right, you know, especially now freedom of speech and mm -hmm. that sort of stuff is, um, is a pretty big topic that we've been discussing, you know, and, and uh, yeah, that's a little bit of a heavy topic. We try to keep it like accessible and people can enjoy themselves and don't feel like they're getting yelled at or anything like that. You know? <laughs> I don't think you yell at people. I think you're pretty fucking reasonable with what you're, with your opinions and what you think about right, But these days, you know, people are all about attacking everyone these days. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I don't, I don't want to just, I, I want to, I just, my, mainly I want to have reasonable discussions. You know, I don't, don't, don't want to be yelled at, right? right? I don't want anyone to attack me and I don't want to attack anyone, you know, unless they deserve it really. And, right. uh, 
I feel like the the art of conversation by maybe maybe through social media, maybe Twitter and Facebook have like destroyed the art of conversation, you know, and I yes. think that that's that's kind of like what I'm trying to promote with the podcast is uh you know, just just to have a dialogue about things. I mean, I don't I don't know, I don't have all the answers. I don't you know, I only know a limited I have a finite base of knowledge. You know, I try to be open to stuff, but like you know, but I also don't want to be attacked about things if I say, you know, something that someone's offend. I don't want to offend. I personally don't want to offend anyone, but I'm not afraid of offending anybody because yeah. that's not, that's not the, um, that's not a right. You know, it's not your right to be not offended. You know, right. if you don't like something, then don't, don't consume it. You know, don't pay attention to it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't understand why people have to like make such a big de- such a big deal about things that they don't agree with you know what i mean and especially with this whole cancel culture thing going on it's like you really can't fucking say anything without offending somebody and it's like why don't you just not listen to my fucking show <laughs> or my music yeah, totally. or whatever, you know yeah you know and it's like a very uh you know i mean it's by definition it's narcissism you know where like yeah. people want everyone they just want to see reflections of themselves and, and i understand like the last four years this country is really been through um a lot like a very very bad time politically socially culturally i mean i think that you know everyone's at each, at each other's throats right now and everyone's like super defensive and i get it but you can't you can't like like there's tons of things that are going on in the world that i 100 don't agree with but i'm not going to like tell people they can't express themselves you know but so otherwise if you if you tell somebody that they can't express themselves and you censor them then they become these weird martyrs, you know, and then they're victims and, you know, and that's, that's the last thing you want to do to, you know, you don't want to create like an energy like that with people that you don't agree with exactly because you just want them to be able to express themselves freely and you can debate them over the topics, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was just listening to uh, Jackie's new episode today. Um, actually, I found his episode through or his show by listening to you. Cause you guys were talking oh. about, I think Gorgoroth <laughs> in one of your episodes. Oh yeah, that was a while back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was fucking cool. And I was like, dude, Black Metal Podcast, let me check it out. So shout out to Into the Necrosphere. He's always been really supportive of this too. When I started out, he's like, don't quit your podcast, keep doing it. And I was like, thanks, Jackie. Cause you know, I just I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm new to all this technology and whatnot. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna get a little bit of uh, interviews under my belt before I hit up like Mike or somebody that uh you know, I really, really um, admire. Not to say I haven't admired my other guests. I'm so grateful for them. Well, but, um, you know, the, the only way to learn is by doing, you know, really. So, yeah. Well, I'm curious, like, what made you get into podcasting? Well, back in the day when there wasn't really a lot of podcasts, I used to listen to this horror podcast called uh, The Midnight Podcast. And it was like this one dude who did it by himself and he just talked about zombie movies and zombie fiction and all that. And I was like, I had to, I was commuting for work and I was just like, man, this guy, like, I can't, I can't believe that he's just by himself, like talking, you know? And I'm like, that's, that's so hard. I imagine, you know what I mean? So, and then uh, I discovered, you know, the Joe Rogan experience and, um, you know, and I I like the whole idea of conversation and, you know, and, and writing and being using words and using language and stuff. So, yeah, so I just started doing it mainly because, like, I was thinking, well, you know, Rogan's, like, he's a comedian, you know. I don't particularly think he's that intelligent, really. And I was like, <laughs> well, hell, man, I, I, you know, I think I, think I know more do it. about I can fucking do it. Here, so, <laughs> you know, 
No, I mean, not, nothing against Rogan, but he, he does definitely come off. Like there's things he knows a lot about and there's things that he knows absolutely nothing about. And I think it's a little bit irresponsible to talk about some of that stuff, I think, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I'm not, once again, you know, good for him. You know, he's awesome. You know, he's like, he's created like such a huge successful, you know, business for himself. And that's great. But, you know, I, I select what episodes I listen to these days by him, but he definitely was a big, in, you know, influence on the way I tried to do things and have a free form, you know, kind of approach to it. And then of course, you know, Henry Rollins, like someone that has been a huge impact on my life. And, you know, as far as like, you know, motivation and inspiration and, and even further than that, like Lenny Bruce, who, you know, is, I, I'm not really a big comedy fan, but Lenny Bruce is like a uh, more, almost like a spoken word, free form sort of guy, you know, and yeah, all that stuff kind of informed what I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's really revered in the whole comedy circle. And I'm a huge yeah. fan of Henry Rollins. I actually want to get him on this show at some point, too. That's like my yeah. goal. <laughs> That'd be really, I mean, really cool. Yeah, I mean, I've interviewed Rollins a few times and, you know, mostly for print publications and, and like, yeah, like stuff on the, you know, like, I think, uh, I don't know if you ever read, read Brooklyn Vegan, but I, I interviewed for, you know him for that like a long time ago. And um, yeah, there's been miscellaneous outlets online that I've interviewed him for, like mostly, you know, written articles. And mm -hmm. uh, I think all I did is just email him, you know? So yeah, just, just email him, you know, he might, he's one of these guys who's like always down to like communicate with people. So yeah, he seems like really cool and down to earth. It's funny. A lot of the people that have been wanting to interview, I've been looking up like other interviews for research purposes and they are, they are all so humble. Like Tom G. Warrior, humble as fuck. Carl Sanders, humble as fuck. They're like, yeah, we're just some guys from Florida, from Switzerland. Like, I don't even know why people like my music. And I'm like, dude, are you kidding? You're like a fucking God. What are you talking about? Like fucking Celtic Frost, are you kidding? But so for sure, I want to hit them up too. Um, but yeah, especially anyway. Especially Tom G. Warrior, man. I'm a huge, you know, Frost, Hellhammer, you know, Triptychon. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a big influence for your music with tunes, right? hundred percent. I mean, yeah. we wouldn't exist without any of those bands, really. I mean, yeah. You know, and I think Frost, like Celtic Frost was really, they kind of, um, you know, were like the template, I think, for a lot of things, including hardcore and, you know, black metal, death metal, doom, like all these bands. And and uh, he, he mixed, like later on, like the way he mixed in, like, uh, you know, like female vocals and more like gothic like sort of sounds you know and it was even like i think celtic frost might even been like a precursor to bands you know like my dying bride and that sort of stuff which i love too yeah you know? me too yeah so yeah it's huge huge influence you also have a lot of different influences like from the gothic rock scene like bauhaus and joy division i know you're you're a huge fan of swans which i think is super cool and oh, yeah. neurosis so I, I thought that was really interesting, like how you incorporate those elements into your music with tunes, because it's still like, I know you don't like to define it, um, but you know, you, one would consider it metal, obviously, uh, yeah. but with all these different like types of elements, kind of like, you know, Celtic Frost would do. So I thought that was always really cool about your project. I mean, at the end of the day, we're definitely, we're metalheads, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, like, even, I've always been, the first thing I liked musically when I was a kid was metal. You know I mean? I, I wasn't one of these like, punk rock types really you know I mean and even though I did play in punk rock and hardcore bands it's like I was still very much it was more the metal stuff like 
the hardcore bands I like sound like metal bands, you know, yeah. and I wanted to play metal, you know, but I just wasn't good enough technically to play in a band that sounded like Overkill or Slayer or something like that, you know? Right. But, um, but yeah, it's first and foremost, you know, we're, we're metal heads and we love playing fast. We like riffs, you know, we like heavy heaviness, but uh, you know, it's cool that over the years I've um, really tried to, incorporate other styles of music that I like, you know, and, and, um, you know, Swans, Bauhaus, you know, Fields of the Nephilim, like oh, that sort okay. of stuff, you know? And yeah, that, that's always been the, the goal is to try to do something different, like all the records we make, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What got you into metal? Like how old were you when you first bought your, you bought your first metal record or tape or whatever? I was probably, let's see. Um, yeah, probably like, maybe 12, you know, I think we had um, a friend of the family. They had like, they had a kid my age and then they had like a guy who was a couple of years older and he was like, you know, into Kiss and uh, Judas Priest, and Sabbath and all that. And and actually there was a, another friend of the family, this this dude who lived down the street and um, he had like an older sister and her boyfriend was living there. And he had like this incredible record collection. And I'd already heard uh, Heaven and Hell by Sabbath, you know, Nice. But I, that's what I thought Black Sabbath sounded like with Ryan James Dio, which I love. I mean, I love Dio and the band, too. Mm -hmm. um, and then he's like, we played, we sold our souls for rock and roll. And I was like, wow, this is like, I never heard anything like this before, you know. And and that was what really, like, because, you know, I loved horror. I was like watching Hammer horror films and, you know, Dracula and like Frankenstein. And, so you were already a kid. Yeah, I was already like a weird, <laughs> creepy kid. And that that just brought both worlds together in a way that I was like, man, this is like exactly the kind of, you know, comic books, like, you know, reading eerie and creepy and all that stuff. And, um, and yeah, it's like, it just made sense for me. Like it just, and then I started, that was it. After I heard we sold, sold our souls, I was all in. I was in Scorpions, like UFO, you know, Slayer, well, later on Slayer, Metallica and stuff like that. And, uh, but yeah, I was never able to like, I mean, I'm not, I never really took guitar lessons. I just kind of picked it up. And, you know, around that time, people were like starting bands. And I was like, well, you know, I wish I could play like Kerry King, you know, and James Hetfield, but like, I can't. So I'm going to play like Johnny Ramone, you know, or something like that. And that's, you know, the punk, it, the sort of cross section, you know, like punk and metal was right around that time for me too. You know, and I heard Bad Brains and like Circle Jerks and Black Flag and like all that stuff. And Black Flag to me sounded like slowed down or sped up Black Sabbath, you know, and yeah, like My War and, you know, all that stuff was like really, really big for me. And that kind of molded like all of the things I've ended up doing in my life, I think really boils down to that. And then, um, yeah, like this summer I graduated high school, I had this girlfriend who was... Um, and she's like one of these like punk, like goth, you know, chicks. And, uh, you know, she liked The Cure and like Bauhaus and Jordan, <laughs> you know. But also she was like, like punk as fuck too, you know. Like she's yeah. really into like, you know, like Black Flag and Ramones and all that stuff. And and um, and that, at first I was like, yeah, I don't know how I feel about this music. You know what I mean? And, um, but then like it started sinking in and especially like Disintegration by The Cure. It's like such a heavy record and after I got over like the initial like knuckleheaded point of view that I had, um, I was able to really appreciate that. And then 
several years later, I started really getting into like post-punk and all that. And I discovered the swans and, you know, it's, it's been all about like all that stuff for most of my life, really. You know. What do you think draws you to music like that? Well, you know, I'm an only child. So as growing up, I spent a lot of time by myself and, um, you know, you kind of create these uh, landscapes for you to like roam around in by yourself, you know, and, and, um, you know, I was always really into like, the, you know, like I said, horror and just kind of dark stuff, you know, and, and um, I remember seeing Peter Murphy in, in The Hunger, you know, that, that movie. And it was Bauhaus was like in the beginning where they're in this like really cool like nightclub and everyone's wearing sunglasses inside and smoking cigarettes and everything. And he's performing uh, Bela Lugosi's Dead, you know? And I'm like, man, this is like Sick really shit. cool. It's like vampires <laughs> and drinking blood and like the undead and everything. And, music. <laughs> and I was like, you know, and there's like really, really great looking girls and stuff. And I was like, this is great, man. This is totally cool. And yeah, and it's just, you know, that whole thing, like that was like part of, my, uh, you know, what attracted me to like, you know, just dark music, you know, and, and I think that, you know, that kind of like expanded out into metal, you know, I mean, not, you know, metal is very dark as well. And, you know, the you know, Sabbath has a, like a gothic horror vibe to it. And, uh, you know, not so much, I mean, then I, I really got into bands like Birthday Party and, and uh, you know, the Gun Club and all this sort of stuff. And, um, you know, and that, informs the stuff I end up doing as well. You know, there's like, you know, Nick Cave and all that. And he just wrote really cool lyrics and like, yeah, he's a cool his guy. lyrics were, they're not even really lyrics. Just, I feel, I mean, I know that he probably put a lot of intention into it, but it's like, he's just up there going nuts. Like it's this primal, you know, very, very animalistic uh, delivery. And, um, you know, I responded to that too. Like this very primal, yeah. like kind of animalistic, you know, like expression, you know. Do you feel like it's just something that resonated with your soul personally? I think so. Um, you know, like that, that whole uh, physicality to it, you know, it's like, I mean, people don't necessarily think of that style of music as physical, but it's like, you know, like an emotional manifestation of like, like performing. Like I remember watching, I mean, I've never seen the birthday party, you know, they were definitely a little bit before my time, but like, you know, watching videos of those guys playing, it's just like this, you know, super intense physical thing, you know, like Iggy Pop was like that too. You yeah. know, it's, it's like taking this a, a sort of intellectual thing, like creating music, writing music, like making music is like sort of an intellectual pursuit, you know, writing lyrics and all that. But then like filtering it through like this like physical, like animal, you know, brutality and like projecting that out on stage is really like what, I like about extreme music in general, you know, how it's, you know, there's like technique involved and, you know, all this other stuff, but it's also at the end of the day, it's like this very physical, immediate sort of thing, you know, and that's, you know, that, that's something that I've always really been drawn to, like, even when I, as, as a spectator and like a fan, like music that gets a physical reaction out of me is the kind of stuff that I really like, you know? Yeah, absolutely. For me, it's all about finding something that makes you feel something. Like if it's just pleasing to the ear, it's not enough. Like I really have to feel it inside my fucking heart. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of metalheads feel that way too. Like I notice when you compare like a metalhead to a person who likes regular jack off music, like pop or whatever, 
they they have no fucking passion they have no fucking soul it's just something that they can tap their foot to you know what i mean but metalheads like we'll fucking die for it we'll bleed for it you know what i mean like we're just we're just so fucking passionate about it why do you think that we're so fucking passionate about it like why why are we this way i i can't put my finger on it that's that's a really good uh point you know and, and i think a lot of it is is the fact that people that are um that are drawn to this stuff are like kind of outsiders you know what i mean like yeah, of course, like you go to some of the, you know, some shows, there are some styles of metal that, you know, attract or appeal to people who are like a little bit more well-adjusted, I guess. But like, <laughs> but in general, like if you're, if you're attracted to this kind of thing, you're like, you're an outsider and you're like, you, you kind of relate more to the musicians because they're also outsiders. They also have the same ideas. They're also, you know, there's less of a barrier between the creator and the enjoyer of the creation. You know what I mean? Like when you go to a metal show, for the most part, you can, everyone's pretty approachable. I mean, you can talk to people and, you know, and, and, and that's the real, the, really the difference between, you know, going to see Lady Gaga or something like that, you know, and it's like, <laughs> you know, she's like on a different realm, completely a different type of person, different, you know, and I'm not saying that she doesn't have her, you know, whatever things, but it's just, there's a very distinct separation between her and her audience. You know, it's, she's not hanging out at the merch table, like talking to people or, you know, you're not going to see her in the parking lot after the show, like, you know, sure. by her van or something like that, you know, and that's kind of like what, you know, metal is, is, is more like that now than it's, I mean, maybe back in like the seventies with like Led Zeppelin playing at like, you know, stadiums, it was different, but you know, the filtering of like after thrash, which was like a filtering of like heavy metal through like hardcore and punk, I think that, that sort of um, ideology, like, is, is more front and center with, with metal now. Cause a lot of people I think have like that background in punk and hardcore and as well as like listening to Iron Maiden and, you know, Judas Priest and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the best things about listening to this kind of music is that it's people are generally easy to um, communicate with such as, you know, me talking to you right now. Um, yeah, like, probably. like you're saying, you can meet, meet them, um, at the merch table or outside of a show, um, I like to be one of those people that are waiting after hours too. And I think I, I had met um, Eric Danielson from Watain at a show also. He was at the merch table and he was just walking backstage and I was like, hey, Eric, you know, he turns around, he's like, yes. And I'm like, is it, can I like get a picture with you, man? Like, and he was so cool, you know, he was so fucking nice. And when he's on stage, he's totally this like brutal fucking blood covered satanic animal. And you just, you wouldn't think that he would be approachable but a lot of us are actually, I mean, look at me for fuck's sake. I don't look approachable, but I'm a really nice guy. You know, <laughs> most of us are. So I, I really love that about our culture. Um, so you were doing uh, Necromaniacs before you started doing Everything Went Black? No, actually, that came along sort of midstream because the first the first Everything Went Black episode was with Mike, my co-host. Yeah, and uh, we went to it was that was the first episode. I don't even know if I, I should re repost that because I don't think I think it got lost in the annals of Apple Podcasts somewhere. But but yeah, Mike and I went to go see uh, the Serbian film at this theater in Brooklyn called the Alpine, which is like a regular theater where they, they were showing like the Thor movie there too. And we went to go see the Serbian film, and we did a podcast at a diner afterwards, and. Uh, and then I was like, okay, cool. We did this. Now what, you know, now, and that's, so then I continue with it when everything went black, but then I'm like, you know, Mike and I, 
horror horror guys, you know, into comics and all this sort of stuff. So, you know, we decided to start doing a horror podcast and we did it for a couple of years, but we weren't really consistent the way we are now. Now we do it every week. So, you know, it's, it's way cooler when you're consistent and like, I think the listeners appreciate it. So they don't have to like, you know, wait and maybe, maybe something comes out this month or maybe it doesn't, or maybe we take like three months off or whatever, which is what was happening. Like we were taking these long periods of time off between episodes and yeah, I, if I was going to do it, I'd rather just do it regularly. So that's the thing I learned about working with Gimme Radio when I was doing Metal Matters is that keeping to a schedule and having it released every the same time every week is really important these days. So that's what we ended up doing with Necro and with Everything Went Black. Yeah, that's something that I need to get on to. I ended up accidentally taking a break for like a month or two and I was like, fuck, I need to get back on it. And um, oh, I was going to ask you. Uh, you were doing like an occult podcast for a little while. I think it was part of the Everything Went Black. Yeah, yeah. There was a, a few episodes of that. Um, you know, Night Talk, I think. It was night Talk, it. yeah. I, was, I wasn't sure if it was like, I knew it was Night night Watch, Night something. But yeah, it was, that was fucking cool, man. What happened to that? Um, it's just hard to find people that, I, I didn't want to just grab anyone and talk to them about it. Like I, I selected people who I, who I knew were legit you know yeah and um i just i guess i don't know as many people that are legitimate that i wanted to talk to you that would be good episodes as i thought i did so that's you know why i didn't continue with that but that that is something that like it'd be really cool to continue that in some form you know maybe like down the line like i'll maybe like a season or something i'll i'll read I'll produce like maybe like six or eight episodes in one shot and then release them over a period of time. But it was hard to like really come up with concepts and find people. I mean, I had tons of ideas. I just couldn't find people who are knowledgeable in those things that were, you know, legitimate sources. Like, like everyone I talked to has like published books out and right. have like a, a, a verifiable background. So yeah. I just didn't want to grab someone out there who's into like, you know, Santa Muerte, who, like, yeah, I'm all about it. They don't, they're like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So but you I should talk to, to fucking Damien Eccles, dude. That'd be sick. Love to. Love to. Yeah. I, I, he's someone that's on my list, actually, of people to reach out to. And, and, Me um, too. yeah, I mean, I, I, I used to work at this place in New York called Enchantments, and, um, he's come in there a bunch of times, but I never got, I never met him though. And, uh-huh. um, I know people at, we have common friends, but like, you know, I, I want to, I want to have like a very solid, very well-constructed idea to pitch him rather than just like, Hey man, I want to talk to you. It's like, he must get, he must get like requests like that constantly. Right. So I wanted to really write up like some kind of treatment of what I wanted to discuss with him and put it out there. Cause I, I read, I haven't read his most recent book, but I read his other, other books. Yeah. Yeah. I did too. Well, actually I think I had gotten the, the audio books. I don't know. It's easier for me to retain information when I listen to stuff versus trying to read it. But yeah, he's yes. somebody that I like really, really fucking look up to. I watch his YouTube videos all the time. And then I'm actually going to be joining his Patreon because um, he's going to be opening up a magic school in fucking Mississippi or no, um, New Orleans. Sorry. Uh, oh, but cool. yeah, he's going to actually like open up like a like a physical fucking magic school, which is the sickest fucking shit. I'm like, dude, I got I got to go at some point because I don't know. I, I, I identify more with like left hand path type stuff 
so even though he works with like, you know, the Anakian magic and the angel stuff, I don't, I don't know, somehow the way that he teaches it still resonates with me. Like, cause he, cause he still has all these practical, uh, magical skills that he teaches you, you know, like the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram or certain types of meditations. I don't know. It's just something that, that resonates with me really deeply. And then obviously like his whole fucking story is just phenomenal. Like what, what he went through and was able to overcome and still be like this incredible human being is just phenomenal. But anyway, tangent. Yeah, I mean, that guy faced death, really. I mean, it was, yeah. you know, he basically manifested his way out of jail. <laughs> yeah. Know, out of the death row, you know, for sure. Are, are there any um, types of magical practices that you like to partake in? I think I you had mentioned something about reading tarot before. Or? Yeah, you know, it's the thing is, though, it's like, you know, I, I, when I, I moved, just moved out to New Jersey about a year ago, but like when I was, the whole time I lived in New York, I was around people like that were involved in uh, some kind of magic or some sort of practice. And, um, you know, joining groups has never really been my thing, you know? So, I mean, I, you know, I got a little bit into tarot. I got into like the, you know, sort of Thelemic stuff, you know, Aleister Crowley. Um, you know, the Enochians, you know, angels and all that sort of stuff and like left-hand path, you know, chaos magic and all that. But like, none of it really is something that is, um, I, I sort of pick and choose, I guess, from those things, you know. At the end of the day, I guess like um, the thing that I find most useful is, you know, putting an intention, using intentions, you know, and visualization, which is a huge part of magic. and. Um, also, certain things like scents and colors and sigils and things like that. And if I have like a certain goal and I, I, I utilize those things in like more of like a, a ceremony or like a ritual and, you know, I'll like make a candle, you know, with like, you know, the sigils on it and cool. charge it with some sort of intention and burn it. And that's part of the whole thing. And um, so that's not really any one particular practice, but it's sort of, it, it even like, I mean, even candle magic is part of more of like a uh, almost like a Santeria sort of practice, you know, but I don't identify with like Caribbean religions or anything like that. Um, right, right. So, I mean, you know, it's like, a, I guess like a, you know, going to a Chinese restaurant, you pick from different columns of like the things that you right. that work for you, you know, and, and uh, that's, I was very much more into like Thelema than I was or Thelema like a few years ago. Um, but you can only go so far without joining a lodge or something like that. And like, I, that was like exactly what I didn't want to do. You know, yeah. I mean, nothing against any, anyone who, who is into that, you know, that's, that's definitely your path, you know, but it's not really my path is to be part of a group or anything. And that's, you know, that's just where I, where I, I I've always been reluctant to have any kind of connection with groups, you know, and that goes back to just being a kid, I guess. And, you know, just being on an outsider all the time, you know? Yeah. And like following rules and like none of that shit, you know? Yeah. You kind of just like to be independent and forge your own path. Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, I'm, I'm a student of that. You know, like I read about it, you know, and like, like, like tarot, I never got any good at reading cards necessarily, but, um, you know, there's like, there was that 778 path, 78. There's a book that everyone reads. I read that a few years ago and it's like, how to interpret all the, you know, the different uh, arcanas and mm -hmm. like what the cards mean and all that. But I'm like, 
you know, I, I can't, if we were to do like a reading, I couldn't do that really, you know, but I, I also, but I, I pull like three cards for myself, you know, in the morning or something, or if there's cool. a particular time of like a period where I need to like accomplish something, or if I'm looking for some sort of guidance, if I have like, um, you know, uh, you know, some sort of goal or decisions to make or whatever, or some difficult period, it's like, I'll, I'll pull cards in the morning and, and like, you know, look at them. Like, I'm not looking, oh yeah, you know, a week from now I'm going to get money or something. It's like, which is what people, a lot of people at, if you go to a magic shop, like enchantments, that's, that's what people want to hear. They want to go in there. They want you to carve them a candle. It's always about money. It's always about getting a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever. <laughs> it's, those are the two, the two biggest things people want to want. They don't, yeah. they never want you to give them the tools to, to acquire those things, you know? Right. So I guess for me, like a long-winded answer, I'm kind of going off topic, but it's like, for me, I'd rather have the tools to do these things than actually have like a bag of money on the sidewalk or, or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause that says more longevity. Like you can, you can capitalize more on that. Like that's investing in yourself. If you develop tools to, to make yourself successful, you know, whatever that means, you know, skills to do whatever. And um, so, I mean, like looking at the cards, sir, you, you kind of over, it's not like a, like every day is a new message, but over like say a week or two, you kind of see the trend. Like I'll take a picture of everything and I'll look and see, well, okay, well, it's interesting that, you know, this, this, these cards came up, you know, what is that telling me? You know, like, you know, it's just one, one sort of tool that I use to widen my like, consciousness of what's going on in the world and in the universe you know what I mean it's like I don't rule anything out I guess it's like what I'm saying it's like some people are so 100% convinced that we live in like a material world which we might you know I mean I have my own ideas about that you know and then some people are like way off you know in the ether somewhere you know and just <laughs> all reality is all subjective and all this stuff which it is you know but you know I, I do I do believe there are like things that we don't understand that are going on in the world. And I think that a lot of it has to do, a lot of this magic is, is like intention based. And even if it isn't actually manifesting some power from somewhere else, even if that power is coming from inside of yourself, you know, then it's worth a worthwhile pursuit. You know, even if all I'm doing is making lighting incense and burning candles and I have like, you know, symbols around me and it makes me feel a certain way to me, that's still magic because you're yeah. going inward and you're pulling out the, the resources that you need to accomplish your goals, you know? And, and that's, yeah, that's one way of looking at it. And that works too. That fits the definition, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the whole, at least for me, the whole pursuit of magic is finding that power within myself and bringing it to fruition to create not only the reality that I want in this plane of existence, but also to elevate my state of consciousness, um, which is like a big thing that Damien Eccles teaches. Basically, he's trying to get himself to a place where his consciousness remembers where he is once his body dies. So it's not, you know, um, caught in the reincarnation cycle again, which is something that I, I don't know if I'll be able to achieve in this lifetime, but it's definitely something that I would like to be able to do. Well, you know, the Hindus believe that you, you keep going on and on. Yeah, well, that's like a whole different, like, belief system. I, I don't know why I 
I can't tell you why that's something that resonates with me, but I just feel I, there's that, that saying that you're an old soul, you know? And I definitely fucking feel that like in my gut, I feel like this hasn't been my only life. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's a valid way to feel, you know, I mean, there, there are things in my life that, you know, I feel like I might've experienced things before, you know, and also like, there are also moments where I feel like there's like, maybe I slipped somewhere in the multiverse too, where there's like some other version of myself out there in a different multiverse that's right. And somehow like the veil like got really thin in those two lives like intersected and then I came back into my own sort of plane. You know, I I felt that for sure over the course of my lifetime, you know? Have you come across your doppelganger yet? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I don't, I don't you know, I, I don't, I haven't seen anyone that I'm like, oh yeah, that looks, you know, that's, that's me, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know I don't know. I, not, not to my knowledge, at least. Okay. So a big portion of the show is, you know, getting personal with people and talking about mental health. And I had mentioned that to you earlier. Um, do you feel comfortable talking about any of your experiences with that? I know you had mentioned that this last year was particularly um, difficult for you. Uh, do you sure. want? To- yeah. No, it's important to talk about that. I mean, I, I think um, you know, I tr- like during during the whole pandemic, I tried to put out like an episode every month of just yeah. like every few weeks, and a lot of that had to do with like just feelings of despair and like managing and you know, like showing other people, like maybe demonstrating to other people that you know everyone's going through like hardships emotionally and doubts and fears and you know all that sort of stuff and and yeah I mean it's you know I mean there have been I mean when you try to do things in life and you know like like for every every inch of progress I've made I feel like I've had like two miles of failures you know so trying to do something that's out of the box it's not that's not a you know a, a by the numbers sort of lifestyle you leave yourself open to um you know, to failure and, and frustrations and all that sort of stuff. And, and it's, uh, you know, it definitely erodes, erodes your psyche sometimes. And, you know, especially when a lot of those decisions you make to pursue things put you in a very compromised um, position when it comes to like resources and security and all this other stuff. And, you know, like I, I, just, I spent like an entire year of just being completely, and I'm not even talking about the pandemic. I'm talking about other years of my life where there's been like, hardly any income and just like piecing things together. And you're like, where did I go wrong? You know, like what, yeah, I thought about giving up, you know, and then there were moments where I was like, you know, what's the point of living? You know, it's like, cause the idea of giving up on things that I wanted to do in life meant that I would have had to take on like another life. And that to me felt like a slow death, you know? And then you start, well, you know, oh yeah, I'm only going to live like another 40 years. So you know, I can do that, you know, I'll, then, I'll, then I die, you know, and it's like, and then that, that sort of, that train of thought was like, maybe if it's not 40 years, maybe if I only live for 20 years, I can make it. If I'm not doing the things I love. Right. And then you're like, well, fuck it. It's like, why live, you know? Yeah. And that, like, that sort of, um, you know, disharmony is, is like a really dangerous place to be in. And I guess, one of the things that helped get me through that was, I mean, I, I've got, I go to therapy too. I mean, I, I see it, I have a complete therapist, you know, and it's like, 
unfortunately, I wasn't in therapy at that time because I didn't, I didn't have any money or benefits or anything like that. But the, um, you know, having friends and feeling comfortable to talk to them about these topics was, was really the lifesaver though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, not, not feeling that you have to project some image of like strength or some like macho bullshit or like, you know, it's like, yeah, well, you know, I, I'm invincible. Like, you know, no one, no one, you know, nothing I can make it through anything, whatever. But like, you know, it's all bullshit that, that people feed themselves, you know, and like, you, you need to like understand that you can't go it alone, you know, and that you have to open yourself up to other people and you have to allow people to help you. And that was, that's always been like a struggle for me. And, um, you know, and I think that if I had been more open to doing that, I might not have even gone into these weird spirals that I've gone into over the course of my life either. Right. But having failed and having to like pull myself up out of that, you know, pit many, many times, I started realizing that like, as much as I like, don't feel like there's anyone else out there, there are, there are people there and like friends and people who care about me. And that's like, you know, that's like the biggest um, realization, I think, is, is to look outward at your circle and your family and understand that there are people who care, you know, and it's not just you against the world and this void of existence that we live in or whatever. And like, you know, and not have all that existential stuff like get you down, you know, and I think, you know, that's, that's like always been a big battle for me. And then, of course, the last 15 months or so, it's been exacerbated because, you know, I, I'm, I live here by myself, you know, it's like I moved out of New York City and, you know, and being alone, like I didn't plan on being alone all the time. Like I was like, yeah, you know, this is a great town to like hang out in at night, you know, go do, go on tour, come home. It's great. But to 24 seven being like by myself and like, everything becomes like this weird, like reflection, you know what I mean? Like you think about the world outside and you're reading the news and you're watching, you know, stuff on TV and you're just like, you know, is any of this really happening? Like, did I, did I die? Did I already die? And is this some weird purgatory that I'm in that never ends? You know, am I going to be stuck in this like realm before I like ascend into some other place? You know, it's like, there were times where I really did feel like I was living in this like weird Jacob's ladder, like, maybe this, this whole year has been like those milliseconds before my consciousness like left my body, you know, and, and, you know, and of course that creates like a lot of disharmony in your life. And you know, I've, I've had to call people and I had to be like, Hey man, are we in the same reality? Like, am I alive? Did I die? You know, like, like I've had to like connect with people, you know, and just to reaffirm the fact that we're all still here, you know, and it's like, it's been a really hard time, you know, and, and that luckily this past year, I was back, you know, I was back in therapy and it was great, you know, and I was able to have my weekly check-in with my therapist and discuss all these things, you know, and as well as all the other myriad of like emotional hangups that I've had and things like that. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's timely that you're doing this thing because I think everyone has had to, you know, face a lot of, their fears and anxieties and had to deal with like depression and you know this sort of like existential like pressure you know yeah well first of all i'd like to say thank you so much for opening up 
um, about going to therapy specifically, because I feel like there's a huge stigma attached to that still in this day and age, and especially with men, which I think is completely fucking bullshit. Like, and especially in the metal community, you know, we kind of have to admit there's this whole toxic, I hate using the term, I really do. Uh, but the whole toxic masculinity thing is 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 an issue, I would say, because a lot of guys feel like they can't open up about these types of things because it makes them less macho or, oh, I got to be brutal all the time because I'm in a fucking death metal band or fucking whatever. You know what I mean? So I think part of the reason why I created this was because I felt like it was really important for people to understand that that musicians that they probably idolize are actually very human and are going through the same hardships that you're going through, especially right now. You know what I mean? Like I had this idea before the, the pandemic happened just because I've always been very open about my struggle with mental health and depression. And um, just the, the complete and utter isolation that you feel is so devastating sometimes, you know? It's really what draws people over the edge. You know, that's why people take that leap or however you want to say it because they feel so completely and utterly alone and I just think it's so fucking important to let everybody know that hey you're not you're not alone in these feelings you're not alone in this fucking sorrow and especially this last year you weren't alone in your suffering which is something that I really really appreciated you doing with the plague diaries on uh, everything went black like you were basically documenting your your struggle with the whole dealing with the whole fucking pandemic you know what I mean like yeah. shit was rough man that shit was rough and i'm so glad that we're almost almost at the end of it like we can finally see the light at the end of the tunnel you know tours are starting to get booked and and shows are starting to open up again we're having a bit of local shows over here i'm i'm in ohio you're in jersey i don't know what's going on out there um but over here things are, are returning back to normal you can wear your your mask or not you know it's kind of like an optional thing um but yeah, um, so I'm just really grateful for people that are willing to to be strong enough to be vulnerable because vulnerability is a strength, contrary to what people believe, you know, they think it's a weakness to to feel anything, which is so stupid because it's like that's what makes us fucking human, you know, and that's what connects us. So thank you for being open about that. No, no, it's my pleasure. You know, like I said, like, you know, those the plague diary episodes were pretty much, you know, a way of doing that because, um, you know, through a lot of that, I was just completely by myself here, you know, and without, you know, no one wanted to do anything. There was nowhere to go. There was nothing to do, you know, and like I, like I said, I, I'm, you know, I, I was just coming out of a relationship right, right at the beginning of the pandemic. And, uh, you know, it's like everyone around me down here had like their families and, you know, wives or girlfriends or whatever. And, um, you know, it was just, um, you know, me going solo down here. And it was just very mentally more, more taxing than I thought it would be actually, because, yeah. you know, I like to, you, you tell yourself, it's like, you know, yeah, you know, I like being alone, you know, I don't, I don't like people like all this other stuff, but I'll, you'd be surprised like, of the, you know, I'm not going to name names, but there are people that I'm like, wow, I'm surprised you feel that way that you miss people, you know, yeah. like some of the most, you know, misanthropic like dudes are like telling me like oh, i miss shows because i just want to see people and i'm like yeah me too you know for sure but it's like um yeah it was it was there was no distractions i guess like and so just in and of itself the pandemic is hard but in normal life prior to the pandemic 
all these other issues were easy to put on the back burner because I was always going somewhere. Like I, there was always, oh yeah, three months from now we're going on the road, I'm home. Oh, we got another tour book. You know, it's like there was always like, like a year of stuff to do ahead of me that we were planning to do. And when I was home, I was busy with work and doing podcasts and this and that and all that. But now when, I mean, luckily I still kept my job, but like when everything is shut down and you're just left with all this like open time, it's just your mind just goes to all the creates like all this stuff, you know? And I guess like, you know, the other, the other, the other real like, you know, sort of challenges to calm your mind down too, so that your mind doesn't spin out of control either, you know? And it's like, like some people talk about, oh, you know, meditation. I mean, I've never really, I've never meditated, but I hear that that's like what, that can help you do that sort of stuff, you know? Yeah. But yeah, just understanding your thoughts too, you know, that you might be thinking something, you might be feeling something, but that's a thought. It's not necessarily reality. You know, you might be like, oh my God, this is never gonna change. You know, I'm fucked. Like, this is it. I'm going to die by myself in some fucking hole somewhere. That's a thought, but that's not, you have everything in your power to change that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I guess that's like, you know, the, the times when I have felt like really extreme about certain things, you know, like, yeah, maybe this is like, you know, do I want to die like slowly and unsatisfied or I just want to end it all and like, you know, whatever that the idea of being able to change the future is like what backs you off of that ledge. I think a lot of times, you know, and I think that, you know, and then you get into, well, all right, I want to change. So how do I change? It's like, I have to get help. I have to talk to people. I have to like, you know, talk to a therapist or talk to my friends or whatever, you know? So would that be like your advice in terms of having some sort of healthy coping mechanism? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they, they say meditation's great. I wouldn't know. I never did it. But I, <laughs> I, I say They say that's a good way of calming your thoughts. But I think that the idea of like, like being able to change the future, being able to, you know, point yourself in a different direction, it's not going to be easy, but that knowledge should back you away from whatever really negative thoughts you're having about how you might want to not live anymore or any of these things. It's like, you know, you have options. There's always options. You know, it's like no one's telling you you got to stick with the same plan all the time. You know, you can change things. And, you know, and a lot of it's stuff that's you don't want to do, man. Maybe like I know, you know, I mean, I'm going to talk about specific people and not name names, you know, but it's like they there's like, well, you know, I don't want to get a real job because that means I have to do this and that. You know, it, it cuts me off from my creative process or whatever. And it's like, you know, hey, you want to you want to be secure? Do you want to like live in a nice place? Do you want to not have to like borrow money from people all the time? That's a decision. You can choose to stay in this like spot of like always being in the negative, always being in a deficit, or you can look at the steps you need to take, you know, to like change things, you know, and it's just, it's just, it's not an overnight thing either. It's going to take a while, you know, and I mean, I've, I've had to go through that myself, man. Like there's like, you know, little compromises you have to make in your life but you have to do that like sort of in perspective with everything else, you know, and it's like, and then you, then you look back and you're like, Oh, geez, you know, I, I really did make the right decision. You know, at the time it was like, it felt like an ultimate failure to make these decisions, but I see the good things that came from that. So, yeah, it's just like, um, you know, it's like one of those books, like choose your own adventure, you know, where it's like, 
It's not, it's not your book. Your life is not like a novel where there's an ending that's in mind. You can choose your own adventure and like, okay, well, I'm going to go right instead of left. And that's, that's like the most useful thing that I, I've been able to come away with, you know, with the last few years. Cause a lot of this stuff is really recent for me too, as far as like making life changing decisions and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. I think um, to go back to something I believe Joe Rogan had said is like, you have to think of yourself like you're a character in a story or like a, a lead character in your own movie. Like, how's this movie going? Well, it sucks. Well, what can I do to change it? How can I improve my situation? What can I do to develop my skills? Or, you know, um, just to pave the path to have the life that I want. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of people get stuck in this victim mentality when they're deep in the depths of depression. At least I know that I have often when I was younger, especially that you just feel like things are never going to change. They're always going to be the same. You're always going to be stuck in the situation. And I think it's really important what you're saying right now is that you there is a possibility for change. Even though it feels like this moment will never end, it will eventually end. And your thoughts are just a thought. It's not necessarily the ultimate reality. Like you, you can take a moment to observe the thought and then overcome it and continue moving forward. You know what I mean? So yeah, I totally. Yeah. So I appreciate you. Know, and, and it goes back to intention too. You know, you have to yeah. like you know, look at what your intentions are and like, you know, do I, where do I want to be like next year or like six months from now or two years from now or whatever. And like, you know, you have to actually put the intention together to make the change, you know? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's also really important to actually like write it down and make a plan. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I did. I literally wrote a whole list last year of things that I wanted to accomplish. And I accomplished actually most of those, which I'm really proud of. And then, so I wrote a new list for this year and, you know, one by one, you look at it every day and it kind of like, you're able to check it off month by month, as long as you're doing steps every day to achieve those goals. You know what I mean? And it gives you like this sense of purpose. If you, if you actually write down goals or create like a vision board or something like that, I know it seems kind of cheesy, but it can really, really help, you know, for anybody that's struggling with your, your hopelessness right now, like just really make a plan. Where do you want to be in life and what can you do? everyday baby steps, you know, to achieve that plan. So. I think it's a great idea to put it in writing and, you know, graphic, you know, have some sort of graphic, like you were saying, a vision board or something. That's a great, any, that's a great tool, you know, to, to do, to use for this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to say thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure talking to you and getting to know you a little bit. Um, maybe in the future, if you have any more time, we can get into some other types of discussions. Um, do you have anything that you'd like to plug for today? Um, well, you know, we're about to, Tombs is about to announce some, uh, some dates for later in the year. Um, we're going to be releasing a, I mean, I, you know, I'm sure Season of Mist is going to get mad that I say this now, but like, we're going to have like a, a single, I guess, coming out later in the year, right before the tour of like some new, you know, actually one new song, like a bunch of ambient stuff and like a, collaboration that I did with Dwid from Integrity and uh, a couple of covers. And, um, you know, just to have something out there to take with us on the road and remind people that we didn't, you know, disintegrate over the last 15 months, you know. Right. You know and then of course, uh, you know, if you like podcasts and, you know, all that jazz, check out Everything Went Black on Spotify and Apple Podcast and necromaniacs if you're a fan of horror exploitation gore and actually 
recently kind of more adjacent horror stuff like you know crime movies and things like that so yeah yeah we should have talked more about that i didn't think about it but next i mean you know next time we can get (laughs) okay cool well thank you so much again for joining me today um i really enjoyed talking to you and i hope you had a little bit of fun as well that was a lot of fun thanks a lot thanks thanks for listening everyone i'll see you guys on the road take care you guys later bye